listen close, I am a craft master Grind now, and know the shine coming after What's going on everyone? Welcome to this edition of the Craftmaster Podcast. Today's guest is a very special guest. He's from Madras, India, now known as Chennai. He is a former all-world tennis player. At one point, he was number 16 in the world. He has probably been in one of your favorite Hollywood films, Octopussy, Star Trek, if you've heard of him. He's, uh, <laughs> he's dabbled in many different areas, sports commentary. He's won... The Padma Shri, which is the fourth highest civilian honor in India. And I'm honored to have him on today. Vijay Amitraj, how you doing? Good to see you, Prince. You're looking good. Terrific start uh, to the program. Great to be on your show. Oh, man, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that, man. How's everything been with you since the pandemic has started? I tell you, this is the longest I've ever been in one place for so I've never been in one place for this long, you know, but uh, it's been great. I'm in Southern California, in Los Angeles, you know, what better place can you be? And of course, I'm from India. I'm from the Southern part of India. So the weather is kind of the same between Chennai and Los Angeles. You know, it's always quite nice. warm, though we get a lot of monsoons in India, but uh, Los Angeles is a great place to be. I was telling a friend of mine the other day, I want to visit India, man. I want to visit one day. You have to come out because that's as different as it can get, you know, and talk about cultures and uh, the, the incredible difference of, uh, of every walk of life that you can think about. And if you want to visit some place that's totally different and energizes you and inspires you, India is the place to go. Nice. Where in India would you recommend? Well, the problem with India is it's such a large country. You can't say, I'm, you know, I'm going there for a few days. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. yeah I was I was safe for some time. I was safe. Yeah, some invest some time in it. And, uh, you know, we have 30 states, 30 languages, uh, 300 dialects, 15 religions, all kinds of food, all kinds of cultures. So there's a variety that you really need to sink your teeth into. The thing I always say about India is you cannot go to India to visit. You have to go to India to feel it. To feel it. I got to feel the culture, man. I would for sure embrace the culture, man. Yeah, absolutely. You'd love it. You really would. You'd really enjoy it. When I come one day, I'm going to have to call you, VJ. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. We can do another one of these shows from India, you know? From Hey, that'd be amazing, man. That'd be amazing, man. All right, so cool. let's, uh, let's talk about your tennis career a little bit, man. You, you're a legend, man. You was ranked number 16 at one point in the world. What inspired you to start, or who inspired you to start playing tennis? Well, interestingly, my tennis career started for a different reason. I was, uh, I, I grew up uh, kind of quite unhealthy as a child. I spent a lot of time in and out of hospital. I had a problem with my lungs when I was born. And, and so I had a severe case of asthma and um, nosebleed and stuff like that. So I could kind of breathe only at about 25, 30% capacity. And uh, so I spent a lot of time in and out of hospital, IVs and so on and so forth. And uh, uh, my mother actually used to go sit in school and take notes and come and teach me in the hospital and uh, beg the teachers to allow me to do the tests and exams and all of that. And I could never have any good retention. I, I barely passed any exams in school. And anyway, I, you know, I kind of, the doctor said uh, I should play an outdoor sport to expand my lungs so I could actually start going to school. And that's how I kind of got into tennis. And thanks to my mom, who said uh, that she would, uh, with a coach, end up making me the best in India. Um, they work much harder than I did, you know. 
Okay, so did you know, um, did you figure like one day you would become a professional of that sense or were you just playing at first for, for fun? Because you know, some people, they train their entire lives to be professionals. Like I know with basketball, I play basketball. At a certain age, you know what you want to do with the sport. Did you already know when you were younger that this is what I want to do for a living? No, far from it. I actually wanted to be a doctor. You know, I was always okay. thinking that that's the one of the greatest and noblest professions of all. You know, you save lives, you're able to help a family feel better. Uh, that's why I have the greatest respect today as well for doctors on the on the front lines during this pandemic, you know, and what they're doing and, and uh, uh, the care, healthcare workers and so on and so forth. I think it's just such a, uh, a great and noble profession. Uh, and so I always wanted to be able to do that, but my health was in question. So to be able to go to school and get an education, I really needed to play a sport. And interestingly, my first overseas trip from India was actually before my 14th birthday. I, I, I happened to get good at a very young age. And so I ended up starting to play tournaments overseas until about probably 15, 16, 17 years old. Uh, we didn't really think we could be professional because there was no such thing in India as a professional athlete. I was the first ever really? professional athlete from my country, ever, in any sport. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. Nice, so, nice. You know, people constantly ask to ask me, yes, you play tennis, but what do you do for a living? <laughs> so, so wow, a big question wow. to be answered. So, what? take me into the life of an all-world tennis player. Like, what were your routines like? Well, obviously, you know, nothing, uh, you, can, you cannot substitute work with anything in, in, in a sport. The thing about sport is, as you probably know, is it's a, it's a very high-risk venture. Because you don't know how good you're going to be. You don't know if you're going to be able to compete with everyone at the highest level. You don't know if you're going to be able to make a profession for yourself. Tomorrow you hurt yourself, you're done. Your, 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 your sports career is done. done. So, you know, we, we know that, right? That's so uh, it, it, it was hard. And I was overcoming an illness as well to be able to become a professional tennis player. So by 17, 18, I was the number one in India. By, by 19, I was in the world's top 10. And so all of a sudden, I was, I was making money for something I was lucky to be doing, you know, and, and that turned me into a professional athlete. And then all of, all of India was looking to me to excel in the world of tennis worldwide. Absolutely. And so from the 70s and 80s and 90s, I had to kind of live up to those expectations as well. It wasn't easy, but it was an immense amount of a, a great privilege to be able to do this for India, for my Indian countrymen and women, and uh, be able to carry my sport to a new level out of my country, you know? Nice. What would you say was your greatest accomplishment in your tennis career? I think first is longevity. You know, I was able to play on the tour for over 20 years, which is a long time in any sport, as you probably any know. Uh, you know, you look at uh, guys like LeBron and all of, all of the guys in basketball, you know, who have, who have had long careers. You know, I, I grew up and I played for the same uh, time as Magic Johnson did. And so uh, uh, the Lakers are owned by, were owned by the Buss family at the time, Dr. Jerry Buss. And, and I played for Dr. Jerry Buss's tennis team. So we would play on a okay. Monday and the Lakers would play on a Tuesday and we'd play on a Wednesday at the Forum. So we kind of got to know basketball at that time, you know, which was interesting. So w we were able to compare uh, uh, the two sports, obviously owned by the same owner at the time for a team. Yeah. So uh, for me, uh, I think the aspect of uh, what it brought to the table was 
how could I then put India more on the map? How could I, how could I put my fellow Indian countrymen and women in different parts of the world and enhance their way of life in, in wherever they lived, you know? That's a beautiful thing, man. You essentially had the entire India behind you. You had the, the heart of a nation behind you. How, does that, how did that feel? And like, did you carry that with you in everything that you did? Well, that, that, as I always say, it, it was great pressure to be able to do that with a billion Indians on your back, you know. <laughs> but, but as the great Billie Jean King said, you know, pressure is a privilege. And not many people have that. No, not many people get that. And every challenge is an opportunity. And when you o- overcome that challenge, you become stronger, irrespective of what you're doing, whether it's in family life, whether it's with your siblings, whether it's with, with your spouse, whether it's with your community, whether it's in business, whether it's colleagues you're having a problem with in work, all, all of that stuff. You know, sport is a great uh, educator, in my opinion. It teaches you to be able to communicate. It teaches you to be able to deal with people. Um, it, it teaches you to be a good listener. Uh, you know failure more than anyone else because obviously we lose more than we win, you know. <laughs> so, so we know what it's like, right? So I, I, I just learned a lot from it to bring me into a normal, normal walk of life. That's dope, man. That's dope, man. The fact that you were able to carry that pressure on your back because, you know, expectation can ruin a person. So the fact that you were able to do that and become who you became. And then also, outside of tennis, you've been able to become extremely successful. Talk to me about your ventures in Hollywood. How did, yeah. did you know you wanted to act? Did, like, how did that come about? You were in Octopus, you were in Star Trek, some very, very infamous movies. Talk about that, man. <laughs> so, um, I mean, who doesn't love the movies, right? I mean, we all have our own favorite movies. We all go to the movies all the time. Uh, I grew up uh, watching Bond from a very young age, as, as we all did. Um, and uh, so when I was playing Wimbledon one year, the producer of the Bond picture was actually watching my match uh, at Wimbledon. And so uh, after, the, after my match was over, he sent his daughter down and said, well, could, would, can we have tea together? And I did. You know, obviously, I'm meeting the Bond producer. You know, I mean, this Absolutely. is great. Absolutely. So he said, listen, we're getting ready to do this picture. And uh, some of the scenes are involving an Indian and we've looked at over hundreds of Indians and we haven't found the right person to play the role. Would you mind doing a screen test? You look right for the part. And I'd never done anything, you know? (laughs) So, but I thought to myself, you know, who can say they worked at Pinewood Studios in the UK in the morning and uh, played at Wimbledon in the afternoon. So I said, let's, you know, let's be a first, you know? So I went out and did it. They loved what I did, and they signed me on for 14 weeks. And that's how I got started, and it was the greatest experience of my life. You talk about um, the difference between, because you took a whole different step. You went from athletics to where it's a lot of physical, a lot of physical endurance, into film where it's different. You know, it's mental. Um, you have to play a different character. Talk sure. about how you were able to, one, balance it, and two, what do you think was the biggest difference? Well, I think, first of all, the biggest adjustment going from uh, a sport like mine, tennis, to movies, because I did Star Trek and I did uh, obviously did television series. I was the first ever Indian to have my own television shows on network television in the United States. Uh, you know, and, and to then be the only Indian to appear on the Johnny Carson show. You know, I mean, those those are first. So I'm, you're, you're talking about a lot of firsts here, and 
when I got into the movies, the thing that I couldn't get my head around was hurry up and wait. You know, you're, you're, you're getting ready to do a scene and you could be waiting from seven o'clock in the morning till yeah. midday and, yeah. and still keep your energy level up the whole time. You know, whereas in sport, in my sport, it was instant. You know, you played, you played well, you won, you played badly, you lost. You know? <laughs> and so yeah. you could figure it out. And here, yeah. the script, the manager, the director, the lighting, the this, the that. There's so many things that are involved in making you look good, you know. Absolutely. So Absolutely. it was a huge, huge adjustment. But again, it taught me about myself. It teaches you about patience. It teaches you about discipline. It teaches you about your mental capacity to be able to take in everything else that's around you. So it was a great learning experience for me. Nice. You was actually in that James Bond film with uh, a legend and Roger Moore. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit. What did, you, what, what did you take away from that? Well, that's the first time I met him, and that was my first movie, you know, and I was thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, you know, they put me in this big, big picture with this huge star, you know, and all my scenes are with this guy right behind me, you know, you see back there. <laughs> I you see know? it, I see it, yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, I hope I don't make a fool of myself, you know, <laughs> but he was so cool. He was the nicest man in the world, easy to work with, and uh, he made me feel completely at ease. He was a huge tennis fan, which helped. And, nice. he, and he had seen me nice. play a lot. So we got along really well together. So the camaraderie worked very well. That's amazing, man. All right, let's go into another one of your ventures. You, uh, you started First Serve Entertainment, which is one of the leading multimedia production companies in the world. Um, you were able to help land a deal with Disney, Turner, and ESPN to bring it to the Indian market. Talk about that. So we had some uh, interesting times because uh, India was opening up in the early 90s and uh, obviously a lot of uh, foreign entities were looking to get into the country uh, from a media perspective, from television, from movies, movies of the week. ABC used to have movies of the week in those days. Um, and so, you know, we just brought our connectivity together from my tennis, tennis life and from my um, uh, appearances in movies and tried to bring them into my our part of the world, you know, and see if we can kind of uh, blend the two. And that's how India started to open up even more and more. We were able to bring movies, we were able to bring television shows, we were able to bring sports. We were the first ones to carry the Academy Award shows in India. And those kinds of things which made a, uh, made a big difference to opening up the Indian audiences more. Now, of course, there are a thousand channels over there. <laughs> you know, everyone seems to be producing stuff for, for the variety of shows, Netflix, Amazon, everything else, you know? Okay, you've been in a million different ventures, man. It's, it's hard to even keep up, man. What makes you keep going? <laughs> Not for real. What makes you keep going and keep going, like, in that way? A couple of things. I think from a, from a professional perspective, I think it's important to challenge yourself, even minimally, on a daily basis, you know, to do some things that you can challenge yourself. I play tennis. Okay, so as a sportsman, let me try to play golf and let me see if I can be decent at it, you know, and so I How try to do that. And I, I, I always say I can only get better, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I work okay. it, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm a, a pro, it's work in progress. But at the uh, same time, I enjoy movies. So we end up being in the film business. You end up talking about making movies. And, and my son, Prakash, who is my partner in the film business, uh, we, we, we try to, we're, we're in the process of developing different movies for, uh, for, for 2021. 
So that's another little challenge for me professionally. And from a personal standpoint, what was my goal? I served the United Nations for nearly seven years as a messenger of peace for the legendary late Kofi Annan, who was Secretary General. I worked alongside Muhammad Ali, Michael Douglas, Pavarotti, and all these great, great people to be able to um, talk about the United Nations work in different parts of the world. And that taught me a lot more about things and how to open up my, my thinking. So today I look at my foundation, the Vijay Amitraj Foundation, that uh, helps about 15 charities on the ground in India. And we do an event in this country to raise funds for those charities. Once again, what do I, what do I want to challenge myself personally? Is there a way I can put a smile on the face of someone I don't know on a daily basis? That's beautiful, bro. That's beautiful, man. So talk to me about you just you just you just dove into it a little bit, but I want you to dive in a little deeper. How important is it for you to give back to not only India but the world? So when I was uh, appointed a messenger of peace in uh, 2001 by the late Kofi Annan, alongside these greats I just mentioned. Uh, it was a unique opportunity for me to see a side of the world I'd never seen. You know, when you play these tennis tournaments in different parts of the world and make movies and so on and so forth, you're going to all these, you know, New York and London and Paris and Rome and, uh, you know, Melbourne and Singapore, Hong Kong, all these major cities, right? But when you do work for the UN and the UNDP, you go to places that are off-center, Bosnia, Tchukovina, you know, Montenegro, uh, Aceh in Indonesia, um, northern Sri Lanka, you know, all these places where you wouldn't normally go. And you see the work that they're doing and what they're able to do with just a bottle of water and a cell phone and to be able to help people out. And it's incredible what they're able to achieve on the ground. And they are the, they are the real social workers. They are the real troopers. You know, there are people who give money, but there are people who actually do the work on the ground to be able to make someone else's life better. And so when my term finished with the UN, after nearly seven years, I was able to start a, a little foundation called the Vijay Amitraj Foundation in the US to be able to help uh, the most, some of the most needy causes on the ground in India. And that's what the focus has been as far as social work is concerned. That's amazing, man. All right, let's, uh, let's switch topics a little bit. I wanted to talk about one of your major, major achievements that you were very humble about um, earlier in this interview. We, we were talking, we talking about your tennis career. You defeated Jean Borg when he was number one in the world. Talk about what your feelings were going into that match. Like, obviously you're a competitor, so you thought you was gonna win, but how did you prepare for that? You're playing number one in the world. Like, what, what was that process like? Well, first of all, when you go into a match, you know, in any, any tennis match that I went into, um, I always thought when I played well, uh, the other guy was going to have his hands full. There was always a chance for me to win, a good chance for me to win. And if I played well, I was going to be able to beat anyone in the world. Borg, McEnroe, Connors, Lendl, Ash, Smith, uh, all of them. So there was a whole slew of people that I've beaten over generations. And... That comes from a belief within. You know, you have to believe in yourself inside that this is possible, irrespective of any injury you may or may not have, irrespective of how you feel emotionally down during that moment or, or mentally down at that moment, irrespective of whether you had a setback two days ago. 
you're able to put all of that in a separate box and be able to bring your A game both mentally, physically, and spiritually to the court. Absolutely. It's simpler said than done because it's only you. You know, you don't have anyone else to deal with. In basketball, you have to put together the great team. You know, I mean, Jordan had Pippen. You know, Johnson had Wilkes. I mean, you, you can go on with a lot of guys who played uh, uh, in, in a team sport. Whether it's cricket, it's the same thing. Football, it's the same thing. You know, you've got to have some running back who can catch that ball that the quarterback get, gets out to you, you know. So it's stuff like that. Yeah. But for us, it was individual. How many of the people you have up in the stands, he or she cannot help you because you're there by yourself. It's you versus board. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If something <laughs> goes wrong, you better learn to fix it yourself at that moment yeah. in time. Okay. Yeah. So that's why it, it, I think it makes you stronger. It makes you more disciplined. It makes you more focused. And the same thing you bring to work. You know, if you're playing as a team in the work because the marketing guy is here, the tech guy is here, the other guy is over here, you want to be able to share with them your pieces so that as a group you're able to focus together and complement one another to bring that to uh, fruition. That's the way to do it. Uh, that's what sport has taught me in my business. Nice, nice. Do you have a, a Mount Rushmore uh, for <laughs> tennis players? <laughs> Good question. Um, they're great ones. I mean, the generations I've been able to play with and the ones that I've been yeah. able to see all the way from Arthur Ashe and Stan Smith uh, to uh, who we have today, you know, Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal, Novak Djokovic, and a host of others in between, you know, the great Rod Laver, uh, Ken Rosewall, uh, uh, obviously my generation of Bog, McEnroe, and Connors, you know. So uh, I was very fortunate to play through three or four generations and uh, still be friends with all of them, you know. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we're able to uh, uh, have, a, have a couple of glasses of wine and uh, talk about the past. <laughs> it's kind of cool. If you could pick four for your Mount Rushmore, what would your four be? I think I would go with uh, great Rod Laver, who's the only one to have won two official Grand Slams. I think I would obviously pick uh, Roger Federer in there and put him in there because of the way he played. Today, of course, Nadal has caught up with him. I think I would uh, uh, potentially go back in time a little bit and throw people that you wouldn't know, like my mentor, Pancho Gonzalez, who also coached me for three years. Um, and then, you know, it's a debate on the fourth one uh, as to who you'd want to throw in there. Uh, a bunch of them, you know, obviously manage one another. I'd probably end up throwing Rafa Nadal in there or Bjorn Borg or uh, one of those two guys. It's amazing, BJ. <laughs> all right. So, all right. What advice would you give to any of your young followers or anybody looking to pursue a career in sports, entertainment, or whatever it is they're looking to pursue? What advice would you give to the youth? I think, first of all, you know, the one thing that you're working on on a daily basis is yourself, irrespective of what you want to do. Uh, what The thing that sport teach, has taught me, especially in individual sport, is that you can ask something of yourself that you never thought you had. So you're actually demanding more of yourself on a daily basis to make yourself better tomorrow than you were today, Absolutely. irrespective of what you're doing. Okay? So if you can work towards that goal on a daily basis, maybe it's your temperament, maybe it's your mental capacity, maybe it's your ability to focus, maybe it's your art of communication, you know, things like this makes you, a better, makes you better at what you're going to be doing overall with yourself. Now, if it's sport, there's a, there's a path to follow. If it's business, there's a path to follow. But the common theme is going to be this focus and discipline and hard work, mental stability, and all of that. 
and to be able to bring all of those together. At the end of the day, it's the belief in yourself. It comes from the heart and the mind. It comes from that. And make sure that you're working on that on a daily basis so that you're actually getting better every day. Okay. Okay. That's, that's, that's truth, man. You have to believe in yourself for yeah. sure. If you don't believe in yourself, nobody will. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. What is your favorite quote? And why does it resonate with you so much? The great Mahatma Gandhi once said, the R of the greatest triumph is the R of the greatest humility. The more you win, personally, I'm not saying think less of yourself, but treat it with dignity, treat it with grace, treat it with some degree of humility when you get to be the best in your profession or near best in your profession or achieving your personal goals. Uh, not at least try not to be in people's faces, you know, as much as you can, okay? Uh, entertain, yes. Uh, whether you're a John Wayne or Sidney Poitier and reached the pinnacle of your, of your success, uh, you want to act and be like the way Sidney was. You know, you, you could, he was a friend, he's a friend of mine, uh, I, I've known him for years. Uh, he's one of the greatest human beings you could potentially meet. Uh, I was very fortunate to have uh, met and had lunch with the great late Nelson Mandela when I served the UN at, at, at the UN when he when he visited and and you know you get goosebumps when you meet people like that and and the way they are at that pinnacle and it teaches you that as well that's the quote from the great Mahatma Gandhi you know and so uh, you you try to live by these things um, and uh, the great uh, Thurgood Marshall, you know, the first African-American Supreme Court justice on the, on the Supreme Court uh, way back when. And uh, when they asked him, how would you like to be remembered? Thurgood Marshall said he did what he could with what he had. That's a very special quote again, which means you have to fulfill your potential to what God has given you. Take that talent and make something of it. How do you fulfill that potential? That's the work that goes into it. Just talent alone is not going to get you there. You know, a guy with a very little talent can overcome it with extra hard work. But a guy with a hell of a lot of talent is not going to overcome anything with just the talent. He's going to have to work it. That's why when, when, when God gives us all our respective talents, that we're able to do something with it and work at it because that's what God gave you. You want to make sure that when you go up there, he said, well, I listen, you gave me 10 talents, but I was able to make it 20. That's the yeah. gift. That's a, that's a beautiful gift, man. Take, take me back to your, your meeting with Nelson Mandela. Well, the two things that's, that came out of it right off the bat, because you get goosebumps when you meet someone like that, right? I mean, uh, uh, when, I, when I met Muhammad Ali, I got goosebumps. Uh, when I met the late Pope John Paul, goosebumps. That, that you're in the presence of greatness at that point in time, you know, and, and you have to deal with it in a manner that you're not used to. Because, you know, we, we don't meet these kinds of people every day. But the thing, the two things that jumped out at me when I met uh, the great late Nelson Mandela is greatness and humility in one. And that's, that's not very often. You get, yeah. you, get yeah. to see, you get to see both in one person, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, VJ, I appreciate you having you on, man. You're a legend in your own right. Um, 
you, you you practice what you preach. Um, you're a nice person. Um, going to Padma Shri, um, practice humility, and I appreciate you coming on to the podcast, man. It's it's been an honor having you on today. Prince, great talking to you. Thank you for having me on. I wish you well with not just the show, but in life. And make sure you do exactly what you're doing by putting a smile on the face of others. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Vijay. I appreciate you, man. Keep your composure, can't let nothing hold you, fold you Run it over any obstacle Ain't nothing stopping you from perfecting your craft Just get in your bag, show the world what you made of Craft mastery, ain't no rapper mad as me Insane, dedicated like